Hey there, and welcome to Work Dope, a podcast on the messiness and the potential of humans at work. I'm Linda Stacy, and I'm a corporate sellout and a corporate innovator. And I like to think that working in corporate America doesn't have to suck, even though it often does. By some stats, up to 80% of the workforce are unsatisfied, dissatisfied at work. And on the flip side, of course, is that folks are expecting work to create more meaning and purpose in their lives. They're basing their identities right there within their roles. And in today's climate, all of it has forced us to take a look at quality of life and what culture really means for people inside of organizations. I do think that businesses and what businesses strive to do can be really cool. I think that building things and solving real world problems, creating, these are all fundamental to the best parts of the human experience. These are some of the ways we embrace human potential. WorkDope is on a mission to reinvent the work experience and is committed to bringing tools, insights, and inspiration to employees at all levels of the organization, most importantly, the individual contributors, the folks with the tireless jobs that keep the wheels from falling off the bus. Today, I am presenting an edited live video. This was recorded a couple of years ago, and it's all around fear-based bosses. This happens to be the video that I posted when I was doing regular video posting um, it received the most views on YouTube. So I did a little bit of editing of it, and I've also added some notes at the end. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, I hope you are well today. This is Linda Stacy of Living Blueprints. And today I'm gonna to be talking about fear in the workplace, mostly around if your boss is a fear-based, fear-driven boss, um, and what you might be able to do about that. So I'll give some examples and we'll go from there. So I've told this story before more than a year ago, I think, but I shared a story of um, early in my career, my first corporate job, similar to the one that I have now, where I did something that was good and displayed my competence, in fact, and got a really um, negative message from my boss at the time. And, um, I won't use the F word, she did use the F word, and I'll also say before I tell you what she said, which is seared into my mind, it'll never go away, it helps to know that my maiden name is Blowers because she used that in her address to me. She called me by my last name in, in the context. So basically after this thing kind of went down in a way that that was not, I did not expect the thing to go down the way it did, but again, it displayed competence in a way that may have made her seem less competent. And her comment to me was, quit effing showing me up, Blowers, or I'll can your A-double-S-S. -S. No, A-double-S. <laughs> so anyway, that's what she said to me. Quit effing showing me up, Blowers, or I'll can your. And, um, and you know, me, I think I was 26 or 27 at the time and really feeling very dependent on that job and the income and all the student debt and everything else. So I didn't really know what my options were at the time. And sometimes I go back and think about, you know, what advice would you have given to that 27 year old version of yourself? And I, I still don't think there were fantastic ways to deal with that considering where I was in my life. But I remember that a friend of mine said in context of this particular boss, he said, so-and-so is a frightened little girl. And it really was a very, very accurate assessment of what was going on. Most people will lash out like that because there's hurt inside and there's fear inside. And unfortunately, this is kind of what can drive humans. We can either be fear-based or we can be kind of love and compassionate-based. And it's easier 
to manage out of fear than it is to build trust with employees, which actually is what will generate a better result if you're actually working towards business goals. What can happen if to an employee if they feel like they're in this very fear-based environment is that instead of they're working on organizational goals, the things that they were supposedly hired for, they may end up being focused on pleasing the manager, which can be extremely draining and it's kind of at cross purpose and it's, it's unfortunate, right? So here are some signs that you could be in a fear-based environment. And, and it's not necessarily fear-based all the time. Sometimes something will trip up someone. It could even be you in an environment and kind of lead you into fear-based thinking. So an obvious one is when the boss is a micromanager, right? So they have a big fear of losing control. And so they're managing every last thing you do. They almost blame you for not taking ownership of anything, but it's like, are they even giving you the opportunity to take ownership? Another thing that can come up is if someone is pre preceding a statement by, I'm just being honest, and then they say something really harsh, um, that is usually not a really good sign of, of an open, trust-based environment. Sometimes a negative reaction to new ideas or insights so harsh value judgments on something that's being presented the first time. I hear this a lot in my particular work environments, kind of like putting something down almost before it's fully considered. That's another um, indication of a fear-based environment. And then it can show up in the employees, like if they're feeling this way, there can be this passive resistance. They could have a paycheck mentality towards work if they're feeling like someone above them is micromanaging or very fear-based. They end up withdrawn from their work, not emotionally engaged. And sometimes it can come out through um, anger, militance, <laughs> sabotage, rebellion. Some work environments are like this. You know, the whole team is like talking about the boss all the time. These are not necessarily great work environments. So here are some ideas, some anecdotes. If you're in this uh, situation, whether they are the employee or the boss, just to kind of be aware. Think about behaviors that evoke trust in you. Like what makes you really trust someone or what has made you felt really respected by someone? I think the best boss I ever had was in a restaurant when I was 23. And what he brought out in people and just the way that he looked at you and treated you with respect and treated you like an adult really brought out the best of the people in that environment. So if you even made a list of those things, you know, if you thought of your best boss or your best working relationship, and then how can you actually convey that in your environment? Even if you're dealing with people that aren't necessarily working on the same things, that, that could be helpful. So what are the ways that you've been treated that really say, oh my gosh, I'm respected, I'm valued in this environment, and how can you do your best to bring that out in others, even if it's really, really difficult? Most everyone has some value that they're bringing to an organization. So how can you kind of, I don't wanna say stroke them, but really kind of treat them with those capacities with the utmost respect? So the second thing in terms of an anecdote, if you're if someone does have a harsh reaction, like I was describing before, kind of like a critical judgment before they've even given something any thought, there's a couple of things I've heard on this. I heard one author say, while that may sound truthful to you, it's not necessarily what I'm feeling is the truth. Now, I don't feel as comfortable saying that in a work environment. I might say that in a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship. Another one that I think is useful for a work environment is you could say, that's an interesting perspective. You know, if someone just kind of harshly makes a statement about something, you know, or you could say, you have an interesting perspective. A friend of mine gave me that. So you could even combine the two. You could first say, that's an interesting perspective. And then, hmm, 
you have an interesting perspective just to kind of separate even if they're not recognizing what you're doing you are acknowledging that you don't buy into whatever that statement was however you can lead to a better conversation more fruitful conversation as to um, maybe making someone more open to that new insight i read in one book about um a gentleman who who started treating his employees like adults go figure you know he said people tend to start treating their employees as babies when they come into the office they clock in they have to ask permission to go to the bathroom i mean again this isn't necessarily in our modern workplaces but there's some some amount of this that does go on that we're kind of not treated as adults and he said you know i started treating them as adults and wow everything changed so you know people rise or fall to the level of expectation but what i would say is don't worry about the boss in this situation. Just treat yourself like an adult, behave like an adult. And um, and sometimes that can be hard when you're not being treated like one at all times. But you know, you're just going in, you're being a responsible and um, professional adult in the workplace. And eventually it'll come back to you or you'll get better opportunities or something will click and you might move on if you're in a very negative demoralizing environment. So there are some ideas for how to kind of cultivate the best parts of yourself to maybe even bring out some best parts of other people in these environments that are awfully fear based. There is a great quote from a song in The Beauty and the Beast where they're going to kill the beast and they say, you know, People don't like what they don't understand. In fact, it scares them. And I think that we're in an environment in society and in corporations where people are often in this fear-based reactionary state, lack of openness to new ideas and lack of understanding towards things they don't understand. And um, it's unfortunate. And I think that you know we can maintain our own and hope to open up ourselves and others to, um, to new ideas. Well, that completes the previously recorded portion of the episode. And now a few thoughts and add-ons, some various things that I've collected since then and since kind of editing this video. One of the things I said is that it's easier to manage out of fear than it is to build trust with employees. And I want to say, putting the lens of compassion on, that most people really are doing the best that they can. They don't know any better doesn't mean that you have to be okay with behavior or that behavior is acceptable, but it does bring a little bit of relief to know that most people are demonstrating what's been taught to them or how they've been treated. If this is you, well, you might not be listening to this. What I mean by that is if you are the fear-based boss, <laughs> I doubt that you're listening to a podcast like this because there's probably not a lot of awareness around that. All we can do is hope that Life teaches lessons that build awareness around people that need the lesson, right? And that you as an individual can operate the way you need to um, if you have a boss that's like this. And like the episode I did on self-esteem, it was number nine. We all phase in and out of various behaviors, depending on what we're dealing with, how much sleep we've had, if we've had a snack. As I've said before, all of these things fall on a spectrum. So there are times when all of us are operating more out of fear than we are out of trust. So again, the extent to which we can lend some compassion can be very, very helpful. All of this is pointing back to the messiness of humans, that this is just how we are. This content that I'm bringing isn't meant to place blame. And I know sometimes that probably comes through because I'm a human too. And I experience what other people do and I want to hold them accountable for my discomfort. And really, I'm trying to work against that. But, I, you know, it's complicated. We're all very, very messy. I really just want to hope to illuminate, have 
better, more interesting discussions around these things, highlight things that don't often get talked about, and enable people to just have a better experience overall. I also mentioned something around organizational goals versus appeasing the manager. We could also get into avoidance, right? Because if it's tough to deal with the manager, we might avoid certain things. We might just not lean into the work. Dealing with certain things might just seem too taxing and not worth it at the end of the day. The bottom line is, is that this type of behavior lowers engagement. And low engagement is not fun for anyone. It's not fun for the people who have decided to back away. It certainly isn't good for the business. Sometimes there are bosses who can seem to have their own agenda. That is, their agenda doesn't seem to align with that of the organizational's goals. Or maybe they just haven't made it clear how and why the things that they're focused on actually do align with the rest of the organization. Maybe they make assumptions. I want to bring it back to behaviors that evoke trust. What are the things you actually can do to cultivate trust in your environment? First of all, of course, you have to be trustworthy. Self-leadership premise of WorkDope is all around building self-leadership skills and capacities. So at the end of the day, I'm always going to say that you only have control over you and I only have control over myself. So I'm suggesting here that you evoke the trust behaviors. You might be thinking, but I still have a fear-based boss or I still have a fear-based employee. As operating in the world, you are always going to be surrounded by people who are operating from these places. But have you ever noticed that you'll be in a group, maybe a group of friends or a work group, and that some people don't get teased. They don't get picked on like some of the others might. They almost seem to be above reproach. I think it's because their energy is different. They're just bringing a different sense about themselves. And the lower energy, the energy that wants to tease or pick on or, you know, do shit that isn't really fun, it it isn't attracted to it. They're not going to be able to get the reaction out of it. So they're just going to kind of leave it alone. The more that you can actually just operate from these more trust-evoking behaviors, the more things actually will change in your environment. Some people will change around you. Their behavior will change around you, or you will attract higher energy opportunities. You'll just be behaving in different ways, so you're going to be showing that you can do cooler things, and you will expose yourself to better opportunities. This could be within an organization or outside of it, or it'll allow you to understand some new things that will allow you to kind of break out. So I looked at a couple of lists. One, I was at a conference a few years ago, and one of the speakers has been studying trust and trust in the workplace for years and years. So every year he does this big, huge study, and they talk about all these pillars of trust. And basically, you know, ways to not build trust, be vague, be cryptic, and make assumptions. (laughs) These are all ways that you will not build trust. People like clarity. I have a little bit of an issue around some clarity things because I don't think this means that we have to give everyone all the information about everything. I do think, though, that we can be super clear and we can avoid making assumptions and we can avoid being vague. Ask questions about where the person you're talking to is coming from. You know, ask them what they already know about something before you're giving information or instructions. Another one is around consistency and honoring commitments. This is a pretty big one. You know, if you say you're going to do something, actually do it. In the workplace, are you someone who says you're going to deliver or get something to someone and then they have to remind you 18 times? That's probably not really being consistent or showing commitment. One of the things that shows up on these lists is being vulnerable. 
But I think that being vulnerable, it can be a slippery slope and that we shouldn't overshare with just anyone. Again, this goes back to the whole trust thing. But just because you want to form, you know, be trustworthy doesn't mean that you have to tell all your deep, darkest secrets to someone who you barely know. And there is some amount of kind of intuitive emotional intelligence to understand if you're oversharing or undersharing. But I do think that being vulnerable in asking questions and how other people do things is a big one. Like sometimes we don't want to ask questions of our coworker or peer because we don't want to appear like we don't know how to do our job. And I think though that this is there's a great opportunity here. Like if you have a peer who has a very similar job and they seem to be handling it better, I think that's a really good time to say, you know, this particular type of thing, this task is super stressful for me. How do you approach it? You seem to get it through it with greater ease. That's a great place to build rapport and to build some trust. Another thing that shows up again and again is transparency and timelines. And this goes back to the commitment. And that if you're not going to be able to deliver something when you said you would, just to be clear about that, just to, you know, give someone an update, tell them what's going on and why it might be a little bit delayed. I had grabbed this Adam Grant quote last year, and then I saw it again when I was looking around for what people were saying about fear in the business world. And Adam Grant said, in toxic relationships, you're forced to choose between honesty and loyalty. You bite your tongue to protect their ego. In healthy relationships, honesty is an expression of loyalty. You speak your mind to help them grow. When you have real trust and respect, candor shows care. Again, this is about having that real trust because I do think that you need to have the trust in order to be open, in order to be able to give and receive feedback. It's very difficult to do that if you feel like someone doesn't have your best interest at heart. And two final quotes that I want to share from one of my favorite authors, Richard Rudd, author of The Gene Keys. One of them is, actions that come out of trust have very different results from actions that come out of fear. Another one is, every time we stop trusting in life and believe in our fears, we begin to co-create the vibration of chaos. And where I would go from there is, fear-based bosses co-create a culture of chaos. There you have it. Episode 24 is in the books. If you find this content useful, please subscribe on whatever platform you use, Spotify, iTunes, etc. I would love a comment. The more listener activity a show has, the higher the chances that other folks who might enjoy the same content would actually find the show. I hope you are doing well in your work and in your life, seeking to up-level the experience for humans and for yourself by shoring up, living into your values and your integrity, even when things feel like a shit show. As always, please send any comments or messages my way. You can send a note or a recorded message to Linda at workdopepod.com. That's Linda at W-O-R-K-D-O-P-E-P-O-D.com. Until next time, this is Linda Stacy signing off for Workdope. Bye-bye.